Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your co-host with Debbie from the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Debbie. Hello, Min. This is a topic today that we have never, ever mentioned or discussed before. This is correct. And uh, I walked into your office this morning, I said to you, oh, what are you working on? And you said, I'm doing the density stuff. And I thought, oh my God, let's do a podcast. And you said, yep, let's do it. So here we are, 10 minutes later in the office boardroom, boardroom office here, crunching away on this topic. So why were you? So first of all, what is this topic about? Okay. So the density restrictions refer to how many SDA tenants can reside in any one property or on one parcel of land. Okay. So my next question is, why were you going through these calculations and website information when I walked in this morning? Yeah. Look, this is a topic of conversation that comes up regularly, especially when we're talking to developers who are building uh, multi-unit complexes. And I guess we have thought sometimes, oh, there seems to be too many units in that complex for SDA, or there could be more, or why? Why have they got that number? Is this correct? And I knew that there were these density rules that I had looked at them before, but I just wanted to really clarify my mind so that we had the right information to put out to investors and developers and builders. Sure. I guess I'll just go back back a little bit. The impression in the marketplace is the 10 and 15 rule. We've always thought in the last few years, oh, is this uh, in a land lot estate? So lots of parcels of land in a, a land estate, you're looking at probably 10% maximum density of land lots being allowed for SDA. And then also, we also thought that if it's a unit complex of maybe a high rise, um, you're looking at 15 maximum participants in one site, being 15 participants in a 100% SDA development of apartments only, or if it was a high rise of 100 units or 200 units, then maximum 15 participants overall. That's what we thought. Mm -hmm. And over the last, I guess, Year or so, we've seen little outcomes di- differing from those those calculations, and hence why we've questioned those numbers recently. And we look, we thought we looked more into it, and here we are looking at such detailed calculations via the website. Debbie, you were looking at a website, weren't you? I, I was actually looking at two sites. One of them was the actual NDIS SDA rules 2020, the actual legislation, as well as a fantastic calculator that the Vista Access Architects have put together online where you can calculate the actual number of SDA participants permitted on a single parcel of land, depending on the type of development and the number of bedrooms overall. Yeah. So we were at a, um, a recent trip to Melbourne and we saw a development, two, two large buildings, multiple site. There were 334 apartments in total with lots of commercial beneath. And 34 SDA units all up, plus four OOAs, 
and 33 of those units were in one building at another on building number two. I thought to myself, hang on, I thought it was 15 max in one location, in one, in one lot, one land lot. And so that's why we're looking at these numbers in. So Debbie, do you want to explain your, your research so far? Yeah. Okay. So there's basically three different rules. The first one is in a, a, a community that is not an intentional community, i.e. it's a multi-res, so you might have 100 units or 200 units. If any of the units that are going to be enrolled as SDA dwellings can house three or more residents, i.e. there are three bedroom dwellings that will be enrolled as an SDA, this is regard, regardless of the funding that you can have no more than two SDA tenants in a unit. If, this, if there is going to be at least one three-bedroom dwelling enrolled as SDA, you can have either 10 eligible participants or 10% of the total number of residents capable of residing on the parcel of land, assuming one resident per bedroom. So as an example, using this wonderful calculator, I've assumed that there were a total of 200 apartments in this complex, 51 bedrooms, 102 bedrooms, and 53 bedrooms. And there would be a salt and pepper of SDA dwellings, one bedroom and two bedroom and three bedrooms throughout the complex. So, you know, you might have five one-bed SDAs, a couple of two-bed SDAs, a couple of three-bed SDAs, something like that. Now, when you calculate the total number of bedrooms in the development, there's 400. The maximum number of SDA participants permitted on that single parcel of land is 10%, i.e. 40. So regardless of the actual number of SDA units in there, you can have 40 participants residing on the parcel of land. So you might want to actually have a couple of those three-bedroom dwellings, which would be two participants, and then you could have, that would leave uh, 36 one tenant units. So you could actually have 38 units out of 200 that would be SDA. So it all comes down to these specific rules. Now, if we look at the second rule, we're talking, actually, I'll go to the third, which is relating to the first rule. And that is also a non-intentional community. So a, a greater mixed use kind of development, but you don't have any three bedroom dwellings enrolled as SDA, only ones and twos. In this instance, you can actually have 15 eligible participants or 15%. So let's say, again, we've got 200 units, one bedroom and two bedroom, 100 of each. You can have 300, or you would have 300 bedrooms in the development, and you can have 45 participants living in that project. Okay, so the, the last rule is, is we're actually a bit confused about this still. Let, let, let me read this, Debbie, and while I'm reading, you try and absorb it all. Number three, an intentional community is a resident, residential community with the following features. A, the community is designed to have a high degree of social cohesion achieved through teamwork and agreed shared values. B, the members of the community have chosen to live together based on common social values and have committed to the principle of mutual support. C, the community has a defined and explicit agreement under which residents have agree to live in accordance with shared common values, including the principle of mutual support. D, the community is controlled by the members of residents and is not governed by a single entity such as a support provider. E, the community includes 
general market housing and is not solely designed to provide supported accommodation services. Uh, okay, well, that actually clarifies it now that we've read it clearly. It's not a development that is solely an SDA, like a 15-unit complex. But that's still, I'm not quite sure what an example of an intentional community would be. Well, if anyone who's listening understands the answer, then please reach out to Debbie and yeah, we'd we'd love to have that clarified. Yeah, I'm sure one of our expert like, architects or access consultants uh, who we who we normally network with at the events can uh, definitely let us know in due mm. course. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, the rulings are on an intentional community that if all of the enrolled dwellings on the parcel of land are enrolled as SDA to house no more than two residents, there can be either 15 eligible participants or 25 percent of the total number of residents capable of residing on the parcel of land, assuming one resident per bedroom. So, yeah, look, you know, looking at these rulings, I thought, oh, great, this clarifies it all. And as literally, as we were sitting here talking about it, I I thought, oh, hang on a sec, that's not what I took it to be when I first scanned this 20 minutes ago. So, Debbie, earlier you mentioned about the word parcels of land. Mm. Does it make any difference if there's two or three buildings on that one parcel of land or is it relevance? I don't believe so, but there are actual rules uh, listed again in this um, part of the SDA rules. Uh, we're in Queensland, so let's talk about that. It says that a parcel of land is, for land in Queensland, the land covered by a mixed-use scheme for the purposes of the mixed-use development. The land covered by a building units plan or a group titles plan for the purposes of the Building Units and Group Titles Act. The land covered by a community titles scheme for the purposes of a body corporate and community management act. For land not covered by the um, previous three. The land that comprises a lot for the purposes of the Land Title Act. So without going into those four different acts that have just been referred to, pieces of legislation, I'm assuming that it could be a a larger development site with one or more buildings on it. This is all listed out for each state and territory of Australia with the different various state legislation, pieces of legislation. So it, I would imagine without reading them all that it's going to be pretty much similar throughout the country. Um, but we also know that legislation from states can actually change quite drastically. So, you know, a lot more research is needed into this, and I guess that's what the building designers and architects and planners and whatnot do. But, yeah, if you are looking at a buying, investing in a, in a property that has multi-units on the site and you're wondering why there may be a limit to the number of people on the site or more than you would imagine, that all comes down to these density restrictions. So, Debbie, I'm confused with something here. I mean, you've, you've given me four documents in front of me, but there's no answer to how many SDAs. Oh, I think it's just a little bit pale on your can you, can you read sheet there. Yeah. Well, can, well, can you read up these four examples as to what the SDA numbers are for yeah, each example? Yeah, which I think I did earlier, but uh, let's just to go back. For the first example, as I said, where you've got a… Just count the one, two, and three bedders. Yeah, density restriction where there's no more than… What I mean is these examples in front of us here, one, yeah. two, three, don't, don't, just get the actual yeah. number. So where you, sorry, where you've got one, two, and three bedroom dwellings enrolled, you can have a total of, say, if there's 200 units and there's 400 bedrooms, you can have 40 
participants. That's the 10% rule. But the, okay, I'm going to go back a little bit here. You've got 100, 150, 50, right? 101 bedders, 152 bedders, and 53 bedders. Okay, that is one where there's no three-bedroom dwellings enrolled. So how many SDAs are allowed in this building? There are 82 participants out of 550 bedrooms. Gotcha. So 82 participants, there could be 42 bedders or a mix of one, two, and three SDAs? No, only a mix of one and two SDAs because in that case, there's no three-bedroom SDAs. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Next one, we have um, 101 bedders and 102 bedders. Yeah. That one is only where there's no SDAs. No three-bedroom dwellings at all. So you got a total. It's a similar thing. Total of 300 bedrooms with 45 participants. So it's still the 15%. Yep, gotcha. And the one over here is the 51 bedders, 102 bedders, and 53 bedders. That is where there are three-bedroom dwellings that are enrolled. That's 10%. So you've got 400 bedrooms in the development and 40 participants allowed. Gotcha. And yeah, the last one being the intentional community where... You might have, let's for example, say that it's only small. There are 10 two-bedroom dwellings, seven one-bedroom dwellings, 27 bedrooms in total, 15 participants allowed. Gotcha. 10% of the bedrooms. Is that? No, 15 participants or 25% of the total number of residents, whichever is greater, I'd imagine. So when you say 25% or 10% or 25%? No, 15 participants or 25%. Whichever is greater. Yeah, well, in this case, we've only got 27 bedrooms. So if 25% of that yep. would only be... But these ones here at 200, 50, 150, 53 bedders is... Oh, you're looking at a different calculation there, Min. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I'm looking at the one that refers to the intentional community. Okay, so the point is, this is a very... Uh, complex. Th- a complex, yeah, complex topic. So this is this topic, pod- well, this podcast today is more about for builders builder developers who are looking at doing multi-res, just them trying to figure out how much density in terms of participants are allowed on the site in the project. Um, and this is also for investors to wonder, well, if I'm investing in a in a um, large high-rise in, in Sydney, for example, and there were 300 um, apartments of which there were mixes of one, twos, and threes, you got to work out the total bedrooms for the whole project and work out the density as per that number there, which was 50. Mm-hmm. And this can also have an effect on the total number of residents allowed living in one unit. What I mean by that is that if you have some three-bedroom units as well as some two-bedroom units and some one-bedroom units that are SDA assessed, then depending on the number of participants and the number of units, you could potentially have two residents in those three-bedroom units and the two-bedroom units, if if all the bedrooms are SDA compliant, or you might only be able to have one resident, even though it might be a two- or three-bedroom unit. It all depends on the number of total SDA residents allowed on the site. There are some providers who utilise the spare rooms, Debbie, for SIL care. So you might have a SDA apartment for three three bedrooms, You'll have one SDA-funded participant in one room, the main ensuite room in the apartment, and the other room is spare, and the other room is used for a sole participant, which is not counted under the SDA density requirements because they're, they're not SDA-funded, yeah. Mm, correct, yeah. Or you might either have two sole participants in those two rooms and one SDA participant there in the main room. So 
it's possible to have three participants, I guess. Just up to not in one unit. The maximum is two participants in one unit. No, I'm talking. I'm talking about SIL, 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 and SDA. In theory, to answer your question, there's only one SDA person in, in the whole in that three bedroom unit. One's a, one's a NTA and one's a STA. Ah, STA. So they're, they're, or yeah. SIL. They could be short term SIL. Yes. They could be whatever they are. Yeah. Correct. As long as they are not SDA, right, breaching the um, the SDA density on that room or the site, then it should be fine. Yeah. Yeah, we do see that a little bit, quite a lot at the moment in the marketplace. Anyway, I think that covers it. This is, so the website, Debbie, for our listeners, if they are a developer or builder, what's the website? Uh, I don't. Address? Oh, oh, yes, I do. There it is down the bottom. It's accessarchitects.com.au, N-D-I-S-S-D-A-Density-Calculator. So that's really useful. And, of course, you can just Google the NDIS. SDA rules 2020, which is the actual legislation which outlines what the density restrictions are. And if anybody can give us a bit of clarity on the exact, um, what an intentional community, some examples out there, so we have a better understanding, that would be great, really appreciated. One last thing, back to my last comment about the the um, the numbers there. We have a, um, a North Coogee development site construction soon in Perth. That one is 15 units and four away offices. Mm-hmm. And one of the apartments is a penthouse on top with uh, a three-bedroom. Yeah. Right? And the, one of the investors said, well, why can't I have a second participant? And the answer was, well, there's always 14 other ones on site already. Yes, that's true. So if there are 14 there, the max we can have on this one in this three-bedroom is um, one estate tenant mm-hmm. who may be there with his partner or his kids. Uh, um, they might pay market rent to the landlord, right? But as long as you have one SDA participant in the three-bedroom apartment and there's no more than 15 in the whole thing, then fine. Now, in theory, what one might say as an, as an argument, oh, hang on, I know that there are five apartments that are empty, not being used or unsold. I guess in theory, you haven't breached the um, correct the 15 max number on site. And that's up to the estate provider who's looking after the complex in no yep. way mm-hmm. to really monitor that the density is not breached there. Yes. Yeah. I think that's all we have to say. If anyone wants to reach out to, to anyone else on this topic, but I think you should talk to Access Consultants, Access Architects, or these ones here, accessarchitects.com.au, and they'll, or they're also called Vista, Vista Access Architects on the website, accessarchitects.com.au, and I'm sure they'll be able to help you out as well if you're looking at doing development yourself. Thank, Thank you, Debbie. All good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.